Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. Columbus Day is a national holiday in many countries of the Americas and elsewhere, and a federal holiday in the United States, which officially celebrates the anniversary of Christopher Columbus's arrival in the Americas on an island in the Bahamas on October 12, 1492. Should we celebrate Columbus Day? In this special episode, let's introduce the life and deeds of seafarer and navigator Christopher Columbus. Sailing for God, gold, and glory, this controversial titan of history has entered the pantheon of humans who changed the course of world history. Although the legendary explorer never reached mainland North America, his voyages had profound global consequences and quickly led to the opening up of the continent to massive changes and European colonization. As Columbus Day dies a slow woke death, it might be a good idea to consider how this national holiday came about in the first place. The answer might surprise you. Ready for it? The purpose of Columbus Day was to encourage Americans to be more accepting of immigrants, specifically Italian immigrants. The Italian explorer, once universally regarded as a great hero, was the symbol of the holiday, not the focus of it. Here's the historical context. Following a mass migration from southern Italy beginning in the 1880s, the status of Italian Americans was at an all-time low. How low was clearly illustrated by one of the single worst episodes of racial violence in American history. The mass murder and lynching of 11 Italian Americans in New Orleans in 1891. Hatred against the Italian newcomers had been brewing for years and was openly encouraged by leading newspapers of the day. For example, in 1882, the New York Times ran an editorial under the headline "Our Future Citizens," in which the Times stated, "There has never been since New York was founded so low and ignorant a class among the immigrants as the Southern Italians." In 1887, the same New York Times wrote approvingly of the lynching in Mississippi of a man they referred to as Dago Joe, Dago being an ethnic slur for Italians. Anti-immigrant sentiment was especially intense in New Orleans, where Italians were settling in large numbers. Local papers accused them of working for below-market wages, engaging in all manner of crimes, and being more loyal to the Pope than the president. These seething resentments broke to the surface when the city's police chief David Hennessy was assassinated in the fall of 1890. As the chief lay dying in the street, a witness claimed to have heard him say that Dagos had shot him. In response, authorities rounded up hundreds of Italians, eventually charging nine of them with complicity in Hennessy's murder. When their trial resulted in six not guilty verdicts and three mistrials, the public was outraged. Further inflamed by the local press, some decided to take justice into their own hands. According to journalist Aaron Blakemore, here's what happened: thousands of angry residents gathered near the jail. Impassioned speakers whipped the mob into a frenzy, painting Italian immigrants as criminals who needed to be driven out of the city. A group of vigilantes stormed the prison, grabbing not just the men who had been acquitted or given a mistrial. But several who had not been tried or even accused in the crimes, shots rang out. When the shooting stopped, eleven bodies were riddled with bullets and torn apart by the crowd. Outside the jail, the mob cheered as the mutilated bodies were displayed. Some corpses were hung; others were plundered for souvenirs. The next day, the New York Times celebrated the crime with a headline that read, 
Chief Hennessy avenged. Eleven of his Italian assassins lynched by a mob. These descendants of bandits and assassins are to us a pest without mitigations, the Times editors wrote. In protest, the Italian government broke off diplomatic relations with the United States. Tensions receded only after the U.S. government paid an indemnity to the Italians. Despite the New York Times' incendiary rhetoric, much of the country was outraged by the massacre. In his 1891 State of the Union address, Republican President Benjamin Harrison pledged to protect foreign nationals from mob violence. Then, in July 1892, Harrison issued a proclamation celebrating the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus's discovery of the New World. It was a timely pretext to a greater purpose, to raise the status of a badly shaken Italian-American community. Harrison's proclamation did more. Italian-Americans now had a way to include themselves in the American story. And not surprisingly, New York City figured prominently in that narrative. In the late 19th century, one could say that Italian immigrants essentially built the city's infrastructure. According to the Library of Congress, they went to work on the growing city's municipal works projects, digging canals, laying gas lines, building bridges, and tunneling out the New York subway system. In 1890, nearly 90% of the laborers in New York's Department of Public Works were Italian immigrants. But of course, Italian Americans have made countless and enormous contributions to every area of American life over the nation's 250-year history. At least one signer of the Declaration of Independence was Italian American. Many cabinet members and Supreme Court justices have been of Italian descent. Not to mention legendary athletes like Joe DiMaggio, Nobel Prize-winning scientists like Enrico Fermi, and many prominent artists, actors, and actresses, including the most beloved singer in American history, Frank Sinatra. In 1937, President Franklin Roosevelt proclaimed Columbus Day an official U.S. holiday. But if a new mob has its way, it may not be one for long. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Don Cristobal Colon, otherwise known to us by the name Christopher Columbus, was a pivotal historical figure and one whose legacy continues to be a matter of contention and debate over 500 years after his death. Born sometime in the year 1451, Christopher Columbus's early life is largely unknown, although some historians agree that he was most likely born in the Republic of Genoa, in what is modern-day Italy. However, despite his fairly obscure origins, it is known that from a young age he travelled widely, as far as the British Isles, and according to some reports even as far north as Iceland. During this period, he also travelled as far south as Africa, and what is now Ghana. As far as is known, Christopher Columbus had no formal education, 
and appears to have been largely self-taught. Despite this, the fields of history, geography and astronomy would feature heavily in his future career as an explorer and navigator. Since the Portuguese had gained a tight hold on the spice trade route to the East Indies via Africa, Columbus began to develop a plan to reach the East Indies by travelling west instead of east. Columbus, just like everyone else at the time, had no idea that there was any land in between and simply believed that an open ocean voyage travelling west would allow Spain to bypass their trade rival, Portugal. After many years of lobbying by Columbus, Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand of Spain finally agreed to put money down and support a small exploratory voyage by Columbus. Columbus departed Spain on August 1492 with three ships, the Santa Maria, the Santa Clara, nicknamed the Nina, and the Pinta. This ship's nickname is all that is known, with its full name being lost to history, and made landfall in the New World on the 12th of October, a date now referred to as Columbus Day. Although the exact location reached on that date is unknown, it was likely somewhere in the Bahamas. Columbus was by no means the first to discover the American continent, as many indigenous natives had been living there for millennia. Nor was he even the first European, as research has shown that the Vikings most likely found their way into Greenland and Canada. However, Christopher Columbus can be credited with bringing the first detailed reports back to a receptive Europe, and the promise of new lands for exploitation, colonisation, farming and, of course, the acquisition of resources. A mere three months' voyage by sail made for a very alluring prospect. Columbus helped establish a colony in what is now Haiti, and this was the first time Europeans had made any attempt to settlement so far west, since the Vikings had attempted colonisation almost 500 years earlier. Columbus made three additional voyages in 1493, explored part of the coast of South America in 1498, and the coast of Central America in 1502. It is not known, though, to what extent Columbus was aware that this landmass was an entirely new continent, rather than just being part of Asia. A good piece of evidence that Columbus thought he was in Asia was the fact that he named the indigenous people Indians, due to the mistaken belief that they were a people of Southeast Asia. Despite these dubious navigation issues and assumptions, one thing that was certain was that Christopher Columbus opened up what became known as the Columbian Exchange a significant period in human history where the resources and cultures of the Americas and Europe began to meet, intermingle and exchange resources with each other. South America provided Europe with a variety of new foods such as cocoa beans which led to the development of chocolate and fruits which had never been seen before in the old world such as pineapple, avocado and papaya, whilst the people of the Americas were the recipients of things such as horses, cattle and other animal stock that had been domesticated in Europe centuries before. Although a successful navigator, Columbus was a less than successful governor of the new colony and was eventually replaced. He returned to Spain in 1504 and lived out the rest of his life comfortably well off but frustrated that he never received the official recognition that he felt he deserved, even writing a book called Book of Privileges in which he detailed what he believed the Spanish crown owed him and his heirs. On the 20th of May 1506, at around the age of 54, 
Columbus died from what many believe to be writer's syndrome, now called reactive arthritis. He had requested that his body be buried in the Americas, but as no church existed there at the time, his wishes could not be accommodated. He was originally buried in Valladolid, before being moved three years later to a monastery on a river island near Seville called La Carulla. Almost 30 years later, in 1537, the widow of one of Christopher Columbus's sons, Diego, sent his bones along with those of her husband to Santo Domingo, which is the capital of the Dominican Republic. In 1795, Spain relinquished control of Hispaniola, the island in the Caribbean that consists of the sovereign nations of Haiti and the Dominican Republic. Believing that the remains of Christopher Columbus should not fall into the hands of the French, Spain moved them first to Cuba and then back to Seville, Spain in 1898, where they have remained ever since. However, it was not the repeated movement of his remains that would be Christopher Columbus's largest legacy, but rather the debate throughout history of the impact of what he did and how he did it. It was not only the exchange of material wealth and animals, technologies and ideas that occurred as a part of his settlement of the Americas, but also the unfortunate transmission of diseases. The arrival of Christopher Columbus in the New World heralded the swift and sudden collapse of many of the American civilizations due to war and colonization, but especially due to a lack of immunity to old world diseases. Many inhabitants of the Americas would perish over the centuries following the arrival of Columbus, partly due to the exchange that was occurring between the Americas and Europe. Christopher Columbus's personal reputation was also marred by his use and exploitation of slave labour. Although slavery had already existed in the Americas for centuries, the use of exploitative labour by a supposedly enlightened Renaissance individual strikes a sour note with modern scholars and individuals. Despite this, Christopher Columbus continues to be one of history's most pivotal characters and notable explorers, and his contentious legacy will likely continue to be studied and taught for centuries to come. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying images. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.